to advise us anon, where expertise, knowledge and experience are sought from the world's leading thinkers and performers in professional services. And this is all done anonymously. Their purpose is to openly share with no ulterior motive. Today's topic is focused around working with better clients. So, without naming yourself or your business, why should people listen to you? Right. Well, I have been working with accountants and professional service firms for the past the past 20 plus years, um, predominantly helping them to understand, identify and attract their better clients. We also run a LinkedIn group, which is about 12,000 members focusing on marketing professional services. So I suppose my um, expertise, dare I say the word, is really in understanding what clients are looking for from their professional service provider. So why is today's topic of working with better clients so important? Well, we have always focused on new business. So we're that kind of salesy end of marketing. And what became quite clear in those early days back in the late 90s uh, was the difference between a good client and a bad client and just the impact that had on practices. And if you're going to attract new business, well, why not make sure and do everything you can that those clients you bring in are as good as they possibly could be, as profitable as they could be and as fun to work with as they could be. What are the problems that people might be facing if they're not addressing this properly? Well, I think one of the... The reason I suppose a lot of firms get to this point is that when you start off in practice, you typically have left uh, the firm, you've got a couple of clients maybe, you've got mortgages to, to pay, children to feed. So you're in a position where you'll take anybody on board. Quite often the easiest, the quickest way to build that stock of clients is to find out what they're paying and, and just knock a couple of hundred quid off it on board. So what tends to happen is as you're slowly building up those clients and building up your turnover, you after a period of time, you, you look around and you see that uh, the vast bulk of your client list is really cost sensitive. And because they haven't chosen you on the value you can bring, there's often a disconnection between the, the respect they have for you. And because you're, you're competing on price, you don't always have the, the fat, the time in that relationship to provide the kind of service you'd want to. So it's a kind of spiraling down. And what that results with is you're just working harder for less. And especially in so many professional service firms, professional service sectors, um, it's so difficult to differentiate that if you look like everybody else, the only difference in the eyes of the client is what they're going to pay for it. Okay, spot on. So how would that affect their, their business and their life? Well, I think that, you, you know, when you set up in business, you're full of enthusiasm. You're very excited. You've got a, sometimes it's a bit fuzzy, but you've got a view that you're going to make loads of money and you're going to live the lifestyle you want and you're going to have more control. And um, you've got all of these hopes. But if you have fallen through the, the, the kind of the trap that most 
most professional service firms in those early years, and unless it's changed it for a lot longer, what you end up with is um, you're just, as I'm really talking about, is you're working harder for less. And the, the drudgery sets in, and it, it's not so much fun as you hoped. And you're working hard, you're working all the hours, and you don't mind that at the beginning because you, you think it's going to change at some point. But unless those clients change, it's, the more clients you take on board, the worse it gets. You know, we were talking to a firm up in the northeast recently, 30-odd um, members in the team. And as far as the new business, his only interest was, and he kept using the term, I've got to feed the machine. So when we talked about how profitable the work was, he, yeah, perhaps that isn't the issue. I need to feed the machine. Just get me any work in. And you see how it just escalates and continues. But I, I think we all... <laughs> I suppose it's the nature of um, business and being an entrepreneur, setting up your own business, is we, we it's not easy to say no. Do you know, it's, it's against <laughs> our nature and our instincts to say, actually, no, um, this isn't the kind of client we want. So we end up taking on these firms that when we actually sit down and look at our, our client base, we realise there's a decent number that we're probably losing money on. For, for the demands they're making. But when we hear it's them on the phone, your, your heart just sinks and it, it just knocks you again. And it's, it's not just the time it takes up and the money, but it's that energy it saps, that enthusiasm, that love for the work. And then we're just stuck in this pit of um, every day being the same and it's, it's worse than the job ever was. You know, the, the, the business that you set up is a worse boss than anybody you've ever worked for. So what would you recommend so that they can overcome, get out of that, that situation that they've found themselves in now? Well, I think it's, it's important to really understand and to take the time to, to, to have a good look at yourself, to see what your values are, what's special about the work you do. We've kind of split it into three areas. And the key really is the personal, there's three Ps. The, the personal being, what do you believe in? If your values are the glue that holds you and your perfect clients together, to, to quote Jeffrey Shaw from a, a fabulous book, Lingo, um, it, it's important that those clients, that you can be yourself and that you don't find yourself compromising on your values. So we, we see this as the kind of the roots of, of the business you want to build, is to make sure that you have a good hard look at what your values are, not what you list on a piece of paper or what you knock about with the team, but these are the values that you live by, your actions, your behaviour. Um, also, I, I can't remember who said it, but one of the best ways of telling someone's values is by what they're prepared to sacrifice, what you're prepared to walk away from. So looking more in the reality than the theory of the values, that's a, a key area. We then really focus on the problems that you can solve. We see how branding, social media content has blossomed over the last few years. And a lot of this is very inward, um, talking about yourself, um, focusing on yourself and your people. Um, but what we're really looking at here is what purpose does the business solve? So in terms of how you position the practice, what do you do for your clients? Um, if you look at some, I suppose, strong brands you'd look at and, and how they're focused on 
on actually achieving outcomes for their clients, something like DHL. Remember the, the campaign, you know, I've forgotten the words now, but absolutely every time it's there tomorrow. Or you look at something like, um, say, Domino's, that campaign a few years ago, you know, guaranteed within 30 minutes that they focused on a problem. The problem being, that you know, you don't know when it's going to turn up. We crave certainty. So um, put something in there that think about, look at the clients you've worked with, talk to them, find out what they value most about you and, and focus your message on there. And then finally, the last part of it, of, of actually getting these good clients on board, is to focus on the physical. Where do we find these people? What sectors do they tend to be in? What size do they tend to be in, um, et, et cetera. So it's looking at the actual, the point where you can go to a list, go to a list broker, go to company's house, go to through LinkedIn, and start to segment and start to pull out these people that might just be, well, certainly more likely to be the people that you can really help and connect with. Okay. That's a long answer. <laughs> no, well, uh, really useful. So you, you gather all of that information, but then how do you put it into practice? You know, how do you start to use that in your favour without, I don't know how to better word the question, you know, just, just to actually make that work for you, you know, on your website, your emails, your, your social media content. Okay. Um, I think if you look around, we, we did some work, I think it was a couple of years ago, when we just did some Google searches on Google found results. And we looked for accountants at uh, the terms that they were using to describe themselves. Um, we pride ourselves in we're big enough to cope, small enough to care. We're passionate about our strong technical skills. We're friendly, all of this kind of stuff. And um, I think the winner on 56 million found results on Google was accountants, we are different. But they couldn't really articulate how they were different. And of course, you can't be different to everybody. So there's an enormous um, decision to be made by the, the leaders of, of a firm that we're going to have the bravery to differentiate and focus. And, and that's very difficult. And even... You know, we've been running a coaching program with accountants since the pandemic. We've had about 60 partners through it. And at the end of this point, we're saying, right, who's going out there to who, who's brave enough to, to start zeroing in now to start really honing in on who you can help? You know, not everybody is ready for it. Um, there's a fabulous quote, and I wish I could remember who said it, but the opposite of bravery today isn't cowardice, but conformity. And to actually stand up and to say, we specialize in helping these people to achieve this means that a lot of people who might come across the website, come across your message, are going to walk away. But if you think about it and you think of how lukewarm your attraction is, if you're putting out the normal claims, that you're forcing those clients to choose on price. And of course, all of the problems that entails, rather than being really memorable and saying we help. Um, I think of an example from a client was um, construction workers. So uh, construction firms, sorry. So they their focus was we help construction firms who are looking to move on to the next level of growth. 
and their research and their experience had told them that once construction projects hit about the quarter of a million mark, the profitability leaped. It was far more profitable for these, these construction businesses. But the vast majority of them couldn't take that step because they worried about the cash flow. So this particular accountant did, having come across that a couple of times, they then zeroed in and focused their message on, we help um, construction firms to move to the next stage by helping them to have the confidence but through managing their cash flow to take on far higher value projects. And equally, we'll help them get the funding in place if they need it. And of, of course, the, the other key element of that is that we are helping them to sleep at night rather than worrying, you know, we're going to be able to pay the bills in the next quarter when this, this contract comes out. So as opposed to the typical accountant's website that says we do accounts, we do payroll, we do bookkeeping, and by the way, we're different, this is actually using the right language that's going to resonate with their target market, um, uh, you know, on, on every single level there, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, we see this so often. There's a lot of really poor marketing advice out there. And something along with the this focus on social media and content that isn't delivering for the vast majority of firms is um, branding and niching. Well, let's look at uh, niching. The we we had um, talking to a firm about a year ago, who had worked with a consultant, had told them to niche. They had pretty much stuck a pin in the, the SIT codes and decided on a particular sector. They had changed the website. So it was purely focused on, are you within this sector? I'm, I'm the man for you. Um, but they didn't really have the expertise. They couldn't back it up. They had no social proof, no testimonials, no case studies. They didn't have the experience to know where they could make a difference. So branding isn't something, I'm um, sorry, niching isn't, you don't create a niche or decide, as I've heard so often, well, we're niching in this sector, why? Well, they seem really profitable and we'd like to uh, provide these services to them. Well, what, think of it the other way around, what's in it for them? What's in it for those organisations, those businesses within that sector? How are they going to benefit from working with you more than a general firm? I've seen it so badly that one firm, I think they've picked five or six niches. They've put the report out, which usually has seven in it. It's usually seven ways to be whatever. And the report is the exact same for each of their niches. They just swap the title of the sector that they're specialising in. So if you've got real expertise and if you can help these businesses uh, to or these organisations to create certain outcomes that your competitors can't, fabulous, but um, best not to make it up. That, that's brilliant. So what impact is, is putting this kind of stuff in place likely to have on the business, you know, and, um, and over what kind of period of time would you suspect? Well, I, I think when it's done properly, um, it, it it can be fairly quick, fairly quickly. It's it, what it is. It's it's this. I come back to this term and again, I've robbed from someone who I can't remember about being, you know, lukewarm to everybody or, or red hot to the few. We worked with a, a firm recently. I can't name, can I? In case it'll kind of come back. But we we worked with a firm, and um, relatively new practice we were trying to help them to really hone in on their perfect clients. 
So we interviewed half a dozen of, of their clients. And what came across was that the, the principal was very tough. She really held them accountable. And in conversations, she wouldn't let them off the hook. She really drilled very deeply. Um, so she asked the difficult questions and, and made sure they followed up on what was agreed. But equally, it came across as well in each of, well, certainly the, the majority of these conversations was how caring she was. That, that she really um, personally was involved and, and committed um, to, to making it work for these firms. So through listening to those interviews and going through what these clients had said to somebody independent who, who didn't have that vested interest, when they can open up a little bit, um, we, we came up with the, the kind of focus there was the tough love accountant. So the niche wasn't a certain business sector. The niche was business owners who wanted someone to come in, give them a bit of a kick up the, the, the backside, hold them accountable, but who they knew had their interests at heart. And you ask how long, well, within three months, she, um, the, the principal received a message on Facebook saying, I've seen the website. Um, I wish I had been, was working with you for, for a period, you know, for years, because my, recent, my last business, again, decent sized firm, I think he had 30 or 40 employees, um, had gone out of business, had folded. And perhaps if I had somebody holding me accountable, uh, that wouldn't have happened. Now, it was a startup. She took that, that client on purely on the strength of the positioning and the focus that she was bold enough and brave enough to take. Wonderful, wonderful. So why should our listeners not put off taking some action from this till another day? Well, I think, have a look at the fear. You know, the fear is totally understandable. Yet, when we looked at the numbers and we, we looked at a couple of clients, we looked at one particular firm that had been in touch, averaging a fee of about £1,500. There wasn't a, a great margin in that. I, I don't have the figures to hand, but the margin wasn't fabulous. And the, the lifetime, the, the number of years that that firm stayed with the professional service firm wasn't fabulous because they'd moved their own price. So when somebody cheaper came along, they hopped off to them. We then looked at um, another the client we were working with whose fee was um, about three times the average fee of uh, the, the other firm. Yet this client really focused on um, helping them improve the bottom line of the business. There's a bit of coaching and a, a bit of, a, dare I say, hate the term, but advisory work going on there. They were making a real impact to the business and to the business owners' lives. Now, although it was only three times the fee, once you've built in the profitability of that fee and the lifetime value of that fee, she, every, the, the first client would need 10 clients to achieve the same lifetime profitability as the client um, with, the, with the larger fee. God, I made a mess of that, but hopefully it made some sense. <laughs> That was perfect, and, and thank you very much. Really appreciate the the valuable valuable input that you've just given there, and um, I, I've no doubt that our audience will will really value that. So thank you. Thanks. <laughs>